Well, good morning, Waypoint Church. It's great to, to see you all. Um, so my wife, Laura, and I, we pastor a church in Portsmouth. I was born in Portsmouth in St. Mary's Hospital. So it's a bit of a, a crazy p- bit about my story. Uh, I was actually born 16 hours apart from my wife. We were born in the same hospital. Uh, and our mothers joked on the ward, wouldn't it be funny if our kids grew up and got together? And when we were 18, I met this very pretty girl at what was then known as Tangier Row Baptist Church in an evening service. And when I uh, got home, I told my mum I've met this really nice girl. And she was like, oh, what's her name? And then I said her name, Laura Keeping. And she was like, oh, it's not Paul and Julie Keeping's daughter, is it? I was like, yeah. And then my mum told me the story. So... Hey, uh, you know, we, we got together, we got married at 21, and, um, but it's, it's, you know, for my life, growing up in Portsmouth, going to Fratton Park as a young lad, supporting the, the local football team. Is there anyone else here who was born in Portsmouth or who lived in Portsmouth? Anyone there? I've got a few hands going up around the building. So one of the things I became very aware of um, growing up... Uh, Um, at Fratton Park uh, was there's a lot of hostility between Portsmouth and Southampton and uh, I know Peter told me he was going to do this so that's the power of the lighting man Um, though some wearing blue today But I became very aware that there was a lot of hostility. And for us as Christians, we're like, what a load of nonsense. Like, why should there be any hostility? We're all part of the family of God. Uh, we're all, all, all part of, we're all his children. But the reality is, there has been a lot of hostility that's gone on between the two cities. And, um, you know, I was really praying into this, saying, God, this is not right. You know, we should not be rivaling cities, but there should actually be kingdom collaboration. We should actually be helping one another, encouraging one another. And so uh, I was chatting with a friend from Southampton. Um, Some of you might know Christine Larkin. She's part of the British Isles Council of Prophets. And we were just having this conversation and and we just really felt God lay it on our heart to, to do some reconciliation, to stand in the gap, to repent on behalf of some of the unrighteous stuff that's been said, not just through the football clubs, but also it dates back much further than that, um, where there's been a lot of rivalry over business and stuff. So we actually met at the Abbey um, Garden Centre, is it? And we had coffee there and we were just praying about it. And uh, we just both came away from that meeting saying, hey, it'd be really good to hold a meeting in Titchfield. So I reached out uh, to Jim and Jim very uh, kindly allowed us to use the venue here. We had a meeting in July of this year. We had about 50 representatives of people from Portsmouth and Southampton coming together to repent on behalf of, you know, the, the, the wrong that's been done, you know, between the cities, the bad blood, um, but also to proclaim and declare blessing over one another and to speak well of one another. And it was a really powerful time um, just being together and, and worshipping and praying and prophesying. And one of the pictures that was actually given during that uh, meeting, during that gathering was of a cable car. Someone saw a picture of a cable car that actually connected Southampton Central Hall with the Spinnaker Tower. 
And there was a middle point uh, in Titchfield, which was you guys at Waypoint. So I really wanted to encourage you to, to know that actually you guys have a really important strategic role in what God is doing between Portsmouth and Southampton. I came out of that meeting and was just like, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What's my kind of next step? And I really felt like Holy Spirit say, I want you to start to learn to love Southampton. And so I felt like the Lord say, I want you to invest a day a month into the city of Southampton. I'm like, Lord, I'm already really busy. I've already got lots going on. But I felt like the Lord saying, you'll always make time for what you value. How many of you know that? So I really felt like the Lord say, you know, go and spend time just washing the feet of the people of Southampton, just serving, being a blessing to them. And I really do believe that you here at Waypoint are a strategic part of what God wants to do in the reconciliation because you're right bang smack in the middle between the two cities. So you're going to have people from Portsmouth and Southampton. If you're from Southampton, put your hand up. We've got other hands going. If you were born in Southampton, put your hand up. Okay, great. So you've got a good little mix here going on. And God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And I really want to encourage you to be praying into uh, what God is doing between these two cities because relationships are starting to form. If you want to read the, uh, the full vision, the full picture that was shared, if you go on the mygatewaypeople.org website, Click on resources and you'll be able to find out that word that was shared about the cable car. And I think it will really encourage you guys um, as a church. We're actually, there is going to be another gathering on Wednesday, the 24th of January here at Waypoint again. So we're really excited to, to be gathering people of those two cities and, and those in between as well. So, so you guys, you've been doing this series called Worship Fit for... A king. Is your worship fit for a king? In John 4, 24, we're told that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? To worship in spirit means about worshiping God with authenticity, with honesty, with, with our heart, that we're, we're doing it not reluctantly or out of compulsion, but because we love God and we're really grateful for all that he's done and for who he is. We're also to worship in truth. What does that mean? It needs to be rooted in the revelation of the Bible. It needs to be grounded in scripture and it needs to be centered on a person. Who is that person? That's Jesus Christ. Jesus said, didn't he, that I am the way, the truth and the life. So Jesus is truth. Turn to your neighbor and encourage them and say, Jesus is truth. You know, we have a lot of deception or lies that are being promoted and, 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 and thrown around in our day and age. But we know that Jesus is truth. And when we know the truth, it leads to liberty. It leads to freedom. I want to be sharing a message with you today that I've titled this, Shifting Atmospheres. Shifting Atmospheres. Did you know? that you have been given power and authority as a believer to shift and change atmospheres. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Maybe uh, you've had this experience where you've gone to meet with a couple, maybe socially, uh, and when you've met up with this couple, um, you become very aware very quickly that something is a little bit off. That there's a little frostiness. Maybe, you know, the couple are, you know, putting on a smile. They're trying to be polite. But even without anything being said, you know something has gone down. Maybe there was an argument. Maybe there was a little bit of a falling out. But you can detect it even without anything being said. In your spirit, you can feel. How many of you have ever had that experience? I know I've had it many times. Me and Laura would often, you know, meet. So, hey, was there something going on between those two? Uh, we can pick up, can't we? We can pick up on what is going on in the atmosphere. I wonder how many of you have had this experience that maybe you've been feeling a little bit down, a bit dejected, a bit sad, but then you bump into someone and suddenly they lift your spirits. Maybe they make you laugh. Maybe they make you smile. Maybe just being around them just helps you to feel more hopeful about your life. How many of you have ever had that experience? I know there's lots of people I can think of who've had that sort of impact that they lift our spirits. See, this is the power of shifting atmospheres that, that our atmosphere, what's going on within us can have an impact on those around us, be it positive or negative. And the good news is that we get to choose. We, we can shift atmospheres. Even when we're going into negative situations where there's a negative atmosphere, we can bring a positive atmosphere. You know, we are told, we're, we're called in the Bible to be bringers of good news. There's a lot of bad news, isn't there, around the world at the moment. But we are bringers of good news and we are bringers of light. We are called to bring light into dark situations. We're, br- we're here to bring solutions into to areas where there's problems, there's issues, there's, there's challenges. We can make a positive difference. And we can either be like a thermometer or a thermostat. Now, what is the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? Well, a thermometer simply will come into a room and will be able to read the temperature and it'll say, oh, it's really hot in here or it's really cold in here, maybe somewhere in between. It reads the temperature that is in the room. Whereas what does a thermostat do? The thermostat is able to dictate, it's able to turn that temperature up or turn it down. And we as believers, we can come into to a room, we can come into a situation, and, and we can either be like that thermometer that just says, oh, well, this is how it is, whatever will be, will be, and we just kind of go with the flow. Or we can recognize that, hang on, God has given me power and authority because I carry the Holy Spirit within me, and I can actually shift the atmosphere, we can make a significant difference. I remember someone saying to me at church, oh, it's not very lively here. And so I looked back at them and I said, well, you know what? If you're lively in your worship and your expression, we therefore become a lively church. Maybe someone says, oh, you know, it's, it's not very loving here. Well, hey, if you start being really loving, you start sharing that love, suddenly the church becomes a loving church. 
So sometimes we have to be the church that we want to see. And I want to encourage you because I know that God has given you each a piece, each a part, that we're here to be part of the solution. We're here to be change agents in the earth. And God has blessed each and every one of you with gifts, abilities, strengths to represent Jesus, to make a positive difference. We're going to look at a passage of scripture in in Acts chapter 16. And here we see a powerful example of shifting atmospheres. Just to give you a little bit of the context of what's going on here, Paul and Silas, they're two leaders in the church. They're, They're great men of God. They're heading to a church prayer meeting to pray because they knew the power of prayer. And as they're heading in that direction, Uh, they encounter a woman who is tormented by the demonic. She is under the influence of evil spirits and this has actually empowered her and enabled her to make a lot of money. She's able to tell the future. She's able to manipulate things in a way to, to get people to part with their money. And She actually starts following Paul and Silas around. She's operating under a wrong spirit, but she starts actually speaking well of Paul and Silas. She actually starts uh, endorsing their ministry and saying, hey, these guys, they're servants of the Most High God, and they can tell you how to be saved. You see, they were saying the right thing. This woman was saying the right thing, but she had the wrong spirit that she was operating under. Paul and Silas, they detected, they, they picked up on what was going on in, in the spiritual atmosphere and they realised something is off here. And maybe some of you can relate to this, that maybe you know, someone's saying all the right things but in your spirit there's like alarm bells going off and you're thinking something is off here. And this is what happens with Paul and Silas. They recognize something is off here. Something is not quite right. And so it gets to the point where Paul and Silas are like, we've got to deal with this atmosphere. We've got to shift things here because this is having this person and the spirits that they're operating under is actually having a negative impact on, on what's going on. So Paul, in the name of Jesus Christ, he takes authority over that evil spirit and he casts it out. How many of you know that there is authority in the name of Jesus? And we don't need to be afraid. Yeah, demons are real. You know, it's in the Bible. But we don't need to be afraid because we know that the greater one lives in us and that we can use the power of the name of Jesus. So Paul casts out this demon. This woman is set free. You would think that everyone would be like, wow, that's amazing. Everyone's going to be really happy that this person is now liberated. But let's have a look at what happens. Not everyone is very happy in this situation. Acts 16, verse 19. And we'll read down from there. It says this, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us as Romans to accept and practice. So basically what's happening here is there's, there's lies. There's false accusation. There's deceit that's going on. These, these guys, Paul and Silas, they're actually helping 
And yet here, they're being dragged before the courts and they're being told, these guys are troublemakers. They are causing problems. Let's carry on. Verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the sock. So here it's like things are going from bad to worse. You know, they're, just, they're just going to head in, on their way to a prayer meeting. They're helping set people free. And yet now this whole crowd has been stirred up against them and they've been placed in a high security prison. But here we see verse 25. This is where we see a significant shift, where we see the atmosphere begin to shift in their situation. Let's have a look at verse 25. It says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. Everyone say praying and singing. They were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. So it wasn't like that they were just kind of under their breath, you know, being really quiet in their worship. It wasn't that they were just thinking about worship. No, these guys were being very exuberant. They were being very passionate, very zealous in, in their prayer, in their worship. And it says that the other prisoners were listening. And then in verse 26, it says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open. It wasn't just Paul and Silas that got free. All of the prison doors were open. This is a powerful picture of the gospel that we didn't deserve God's freedom. We didn't deserve to be set free because we'd, we'd you know, committed a crime through our sin. And yet here we see that all of the prison doors are open. That's what Jesus done for you and for me. All of the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Verse 27, the jailer woke, woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And I want to speak to anyone who is here today or maybe who is, is in the North Building or watching online. And I want to say this, that if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to say this, believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved. We serve a mighty God who can save us. Let's carry on, verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. And then in verse 40, it says this. After Paul and Silas came out from the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they were met with the brothers and sisters and they encouraged them. Then they left. 
So here we see such an amazing shift, an amazing breakthrough. And Paul and Silas, they're there, they've been persecuted, they've been beaten up, they're in the depth of a, a dungeon in, in, in dark despair. Things are not going well. And, and sometimes in our life, you know, we can have these experiences where we're doing the right things. We're honouring God. Maybe God's even challenged us in an area that we need to step out and be in obedient. And we step out in that. And then we find ourselves experiencing some pushback, experiencing some resistance. I wonder how you and I would have responded in that situation. Being in that prison. It would be very easy, wouldn't it, to get a little bit bitter and angry at God and saying, God, what are you playing at? Um, you know, we were on our way to a prayer meeting. We just prayed for someone and they got delivered of a demon. We're, we're just speaking your words of truth. We're, we're helping be part of saving people. You are mighty to save and we're doing your work. And here we are now in prison in this place of confinement. And sometimes in our lives we, we can think, oh, maybe I'm doing something wrong. But sometimes the pushback is evidence that actually you're going in the right direction. And here we see major, major pushback. We see this opposition against them. And uh, in Psalm 34 verse 19, it says this, Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So I want to say, if you're here, if you're struggling with some affliction, I want to say this, God is a mighty deliverer. He can deliver you from the most difficult of situations. And I believe that God even wants to use what the enemy meant for harm. God can turn it for good. But God doesn't want us to get angry. He doesn't want us to to get bitter. He doesn't want us to play the blame game. But he wants us to look to him. And this series that you're going through at the moment about worship fit for a king, it's all about worshipping God regardless of the circumstance that are going on. Sometimes when things go wrong, you know, often we're like, oh, I need help. Like God, you know, we start to look to God, we start to worship God. Sometimes we can get angry and bitter and we don't. We, we want to kind of give God the cold shoulder. But sometimes when things are going really well, We can then think, oh, I don't really need God. And so we can end up neglecting God. But God wants us to be people that worship him regardless of circumstance. Whether we're on a mountaintop high, whether we're in a valley low or somewhere in between, God has called us to be people that worship him consistently with all of our hearts. I love the example that we have from from Paul and Silas here that right at the midnight hour when maybe a lot of us would be asleep, would be tucked up in our beds, here they are in the darkest of the night and what were they doing? How did they respond in that situation? It says they prayed and they worshipped. They prayed and they worshipped. And this was what brought about a shift in in the atmosphere. This was what brought about a significant change because the Bible says that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. It's like God comes to sit there. He comes to dwell in that place. And this is what happens when we give God praise, when we look to him, not look into the problem, not look into the circumstance, but we start to look at the Lord and we see a significant shift. We see that there was an earthquake that took place and all of the the prison doors open. So it wasn't just about breakthrough for Paul and Silas. It was about breakthrough for the other prisoners as well. 
And it wasn't just about the prisoners as well because we see this amazing testimony of conversion where it ends up with the jailer getting saved. You know, he drew his sword when he knew that all the prison doors were open because he thought, oh, they must have all legged it. And that's why Paul called out and said, no, don't do anything silly. We're all here. You know, they were still around and it led to an amazing opportunity where Paul was able to lead the, the jailer to the Lord. He was able to lead the whole family to the Lord. You know, this, this was a man of authority. This was a man who had great influence in the Roman Empire. And so sometimes the Lord will allow us to go through some storms, to go through some difficulties, because it's not just about our breakthrough, but it's about other people's breakthrough as well. And maybe some of you here, you're going through a difficult time. You're going through some challenges. Maybe it's not like a prison situation, but you're going through some tough stuff. And I want to encourage you and say that God is a mighty God. He can break every chain. He can, he can bring you out of the most darkest of situations. And he can use your situation not only to bring greater freedom to you, but also freedom to other people as well. I want to share with you three valuable learning points from this passage of scripture today. The first thing I want to say this is that persecution often accompanies doing God's will. Persecution often accompanies doing God's will. And if you are in a situation where you're getting a little bit of pushback right now, I want to say don't be discouraged. Don't let it derail you. Don't let it stop you from praising God. But use that opposition as fuel to fuel you in your praise and your worship to God. You know, whilst we're here on the earth, we get to bring a sacrifice of praise when we don't feel like it. And yet we press in and we give it to God. We, we honor him in the midst of that. Because when we get to heaven, we won't need to. Because everything's going to be great. He'll, he'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no pain. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no struggles. But here on the earth, we have an amazing opportunity to bring that sacrifice of praise to him. Don't look down at the problem, but look up in prayer and in praise. Second point I want to share with you today that we can learn from this passage of scripture is this harness the power of agreement harness the power of agreement do you notice that Paul and and Silas they they prayed together they worshiped together there's something about when we agree with another believer in faith that causes things to happen that causes a shift I mean it's good to pray on your own and that's important but when you get in agreement, when there's that unity, it kind of like packs an extra punch in the spirit. And here we see this, this scripture that, that I want to share with you, Matthew 18, 19, and it says this again. Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So here we see it's the power of agreement. I want to ask, who, who do you agree with in prayer? 
Who are those people that you can call on when you're going through challenging times? Or even if you're not going through a challenging time, but you're just, you know, you're just doing life. Who are those people that you can lock in, that you can contact, that you can reach out to and say, hey, will you stand with me in prayer? Can we agree about this situation in prayer? Something begins to shift. In Deuteronomy, we're told, Deuteronomy 32, it talks about how that one person can put a 1,000 to flight, but two people can put 10,000 to flight. What's that talking about? Basically, one person can chase off you know, a 1,000 of the enemy, but two of you working together can end up chasing off 10,000 of the enemy. This is the power of unity. This is the power of being in agreement. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't got someone that you can reach out to, start asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, who is there in in my life, in my world? Who's there in the church? Who is there in the body of Christ that I could reach out to, that I could agree in prayer with and see you do mighty things in these situations? And here's the third and final point that I want to share with you this morning. Prayer and worship shifts atmospheres. Prayer and worship shifts atmospheres. In the midst of the crisis situation, Paul and Silas, they prayed. And they worshipped in spirit and in truth. Even through the darkest midnight hour and they experienced their breakthrough, not only for them, but also for many, many others as well. And I believe that there's many testimonies that God wants to bring forth. I know that there will be lots of testimonies already, but I feel like the Lord wants to birth more testimonies through you about that when you've been through difficult times, that you can press in with praise and worship, praying unto the Lord, and that I believe that you're going to see breakthroughs not only for you, but also for other people as well. So let's learn from Paul and Silas's example. In the midst of great trial and adversity, you know, let's not allow our circumstances to dictate our worship, but rather let's allow our worship to dictate the atmosphere. Let's choose to worship God regardless of our circumstances, knowing that God can make, can make a way even in the worst of circumstances.